Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. going to finish up the 23rd Psalm tonight, so you can turn there in your Bibles. And uh, I want to read that and then just pray and dedicate uh, the rest of uh, our time to the Lord. And uh, let's just open our ears and uh, hearts to uh, receive what uh, the Lord is sharing through David to us in the 23rd Psalm. But let's uh, read that together for uh, the final time as this will conclude this series. And uh, let these words just kind of sink in and marinate in your heart, because they are not only familiar, but uh, they are powerful. David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, thank you for the truth of that psalm. I just pray, Lord, that uh, these things that we have looked at over the last several weeks, Lord, would not uh, quickly leave us, Lord, but may you bring them back to our remembrance in time of need. And Lord, as we look at verse 6 tonight, the final verse of the psalm, I pray that um, it would just minister to us Uh, in a way that helps us to see you for who you are, that our faith might be built and that our confidence and trust might increase. And we pray, Lord, that the work you did in David, may you do it in us. Because we know that you are the same God. And we know that you love us and you care for us. So, Lord, we welcome you. We invite you to teach us and to show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to just jump right into the psalm here. And I want you to notice how this verse begins. The very first word, surely. That's not a lady's name, but that is a statement of confidence. Uh, There's an assurance that David is communicating Uh, to us as he concludes this psalm. And verse 6, in many respects, acts like an exclamation mark at the end of a sentence. David is ending strong. He's making a clear point. Uh, He's not just kind of dwindling down and concluding, but rather he is saying to us, there is something I want you to know about the Lord as I finish. And he says, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now what's the significance of this single word that we could so easily 
overlook. Well, it, it is a word that communicates confidence. It is a word that communicates firm belief. It is a word that communicates a steady, unwavering faith. And you may say to yourself, I get that. That doesn't seem like a stretch to me. I've drawn those conclusions, so let me just dig a little bit deeper and give you a gem that is hidden in that singular word because it not only refers to confidence and firm belief that is steady and unwavering, but it is also a word that is used when the writer wants to emphasize a contrast. When he's comparing two things, and it connects us back to verse 5, and in essence with that phrase, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, David is saying this, I know that my enemies are present, but I also know that the Lord's goodness and mercy will follow me. There's a contrast that he's making that stirs confidence within us as we face the reality of life. I believe David is wanting that to settle into us. Because this is something that we all have to learn about the Lord. You know, as we walk with Him, and as we study His Word, we learn more about Him. We experience Him in a greater and a deeper way. And David is saying, I want you to know the Lord like this. It's something that we have to learn about the Lord as we walk with Him. and It reminds us of this. Adversity does not mean abandonment have you ever had those thoughts go through your mind things are difficult they're not going according to plan they're seemingly turned inside out and upside down and oftentimes there's a voice that wants to whisper into our ear well it's because the lord's not with you and david is reminding us that Adversity does not mean abandonment, but it reminds us that the Lord follows us. Because when we know the Lord, something different follows us. We need to recognize this shift that takes place in our lives. Because when you think of being followed, it usually causes us to think about something bad. Who follows the sheep? Well, a predator, a wolf, something that is stalking its prey. Being followed can create fear and uncertainty. I remember one time as an elementary school student in the metropolis of Byron, Illinois. I was walking home one day. I didn't take the normal route of the other kids because my grandparents' house was in a different direction and we would cross the street. We would walk right beside the old junior high because it led us right down the road to our grandparents' house. And it was kind of an alley type situation. There was not other people around. And lo and behold, on this particular day, we're walking down that alley 
and a couple of students that were from the junior high came out of a side door. These young men were known to be bullies, and they began to follow us. And as I watched over my shoulder, doing my best to show no fear, I watched one of them pull a knife out of his pocket. Fortunately, by the grace of God, that day didn't result in a confrontation, but it speaks to the point that when we are followed, oftentimes it creates fear and anxiety. Let me tell you another story. Years ago, uh, I took a friend out bow hunting for the very first time. I gave him the best location all the way back in the deepest part of the property. The sun starts to go down and the coyotes start howling and yipping. We can hear them far away. They get closer, they get closer. They're not staying in one location. We can hear them moving all around the area where we are. It was familiar to me. I come down out of my stand. I walk back to the truck. I'm changing and putting things away, waiting for my friend, waiting for my friend, waiting for my friend, waiting for my friend, thinking to myself, this is only about a 10-minute walk. He should be here by now. And as he rounds the corner and comes out of the woods, I turn the headlights on to my truck to see him, to make sure he's okay. And I see this grown man who's as white as a ghost, holding his bow with an arrow still knocked. And I said to him, what's going on? He's like, did you hear those coyotes? I said, yeah, I heard those coyotes. I said, it's pretty normal out here. He said, I think they were following me. He said, because every time I moved, I heard something else move. And when I stopped, it stopped. Now, I don't know if that was true or not, but in his mind, he thought he was being followed. And he was so convinced, he said to himself, I'm going to keep an arrow in my bow to defend myself. So there's a shift that's taking place here. There's something that David is wanting to teach us. And it is this, that being followed is not always a bad thing. Being followed as we follow the Good Shepherd is something that um, is not causing us to respond to life in fear, but rather, David is reminding us that we can respond to life with confidence because we know that the one who follows us is greater than the adversity that can come our way, greater than any predator that may come after us, anything that would want to take us out. And David says this, we can be confident that the Lord is with us and that we will experience his goodness, and His mercy as we walk the journey of this life. Now, where does that confidence come from? 
Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would say that maybe there are moments in time when we are more confident than other moments. In David, as he experienced all that the Lord did in his life, is seemingly able to exhibit a consistency in this confidence. And where did it come from? Well, it came from knowing the Lord. David knew that mercy and goodness were attributes of God. They were characteristics of God that were unchanging. They were what makes God, God. And David had seen this. And he drew the conclusion that no matter what goes on in my life, it cannot change who God is. But then David's confidence was also rooted in covenant. Because these two words that he uses in the conclusion of this psalm are covenant language. And David had recognized that the Good Shepherd was a covenant-keeping God that he could place his faith in and have confidence in. So what do these words mean? Goodness and mercy. I want to unpack them quickly for just a moment. And I'm going to really focus on goodness here. Goodness is something that we are familiar with. We sing about it. I will sing of the goodness of God, a new song declares. And I know that Every Sunday after we sing it in a worship service, I find myself reciting it throughout the afternoon because it is so true. Goodness is something that we are familiar with because we speak of it often. We're familiar with the phrase, God is good all the time. God is good. But we need to fully understand the goodness of God in order to have the confidence that David had. And the Bible defines his goodness in two different ways. One way has to do with the character of God and the other focuses on the actions of God. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. This reminds us of the character of God. Who He is. What makes Him God. God by His nature is good. He is morally excellent. God is the original definition of good. And He is good in and of Himself. This is why Jesus said, no one is good but one. And that is God. Mark 10.18 Goodness is an attribute and a characteristic of God that cannot change. But how do you see the true character of a person? It's by their actions. And the Bible reveals to us the nature of God that is good, but then it also reveals to us how God operates in His goodness towards us. And David knew these things, and they produced this confidence that caused him to believe that these attributes of God would follow him all of the days of his life. 
God's goodness is defined and revealed by what He does. God's goodness is revealed through natural blessings, the Scriptures declare. We often overlook it, but David saw it clearly. And in Psalm 145, verses 7 through 9, David writes, They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all of His works. So God's goodness is directly connected to the blessings that He bestows upon us. And this is what we know about God. God is good to us and He blesses us in this life with better than we deserve. It's part of His goodness. We can't earn it, but yet He freely gives it. And when He does that, it reveals His nature and character And it renews our minds to believe that we can count on Him. Then God's goodness is demonstrated through the action of kind intervention. Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2 say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercies endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. See, God's goodness is revealed to us through His interventions. And if you look at the rest of Psalm 107 there, they remind us of the the ways that God intervenes in our lives as an expression of His goodness. And the first one is this. When we are searching when we are searching for something to satisfy our soul, when we cry out to Him like we did tonight in prayer, He delivers us. He meets us where we are at and our souls find their true home in Him. So You find yourself here tonight searching for something, looking for the way, trying to discover the right path to walk, the right way to respond, the right thing to do, the words to pray. God's goodness is demonstrated to us in those moments and in those hours of searching in the sense that He delivers us from our uncertainty. And what He provides fills us and satisfies us and shows us the way. God's goodness is demonstrated in our lives through an intervention in the sense of when we go our own way, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally, that He pursues us. And He calls us by name so that we do not go too far. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance, the Scriptures say. And when we respond to that call, He delivers us out of our distress and He breaks those chains in our lives and He turns the night into day. God's goodness is demonstrated when we find ourselves inadvertently going our own way. 
Let me give you one more that I just want to affirm to us. As we live in the days that we find ourselves. God's goodness is expressed in our lives and we experience calamity. When the storm threatens to sink us and we are at the end of ourselves, we know that we can call on the name of the Lord because He is good. And let me encourage you in this. The wind and the waves still know His name. You'll remember that moment in the boat when Jesus is sleeping and the storm comes upon the disciples. Fear begins to grip their heart as they're bailing water out of the boat. And they awaken Jesus. And He calls them out of fear and into faith. And He speaks these words, Peace, be still. And the storm was calmed. And the waves were removed. God's goodness operates in our lives in that way as we go through our calamity and our storm. So God's, God demonstrates His goodness through natural blessing and kind interventions. And David says, His goodness has followed me all of my days. But not just His goodness, but also His mercy. Goodness and mercy. What is the substance of this word mercy this is a, another covenant word it is uh, a word that um, is interesting because it doesn't translate from the hebrew to the english very well the word for mercy here has no single english word that can capture its meaning it has no english equivalent in fact let me give you the many ways that this word mercy is translated into English, and then I'll tell you why I'm giving you such a long list. It's translated mercy, it's translated love, it's translated grace, it's translated as loving kindness, it's translated as goodness, it's translated as loyalty, steadfastness, faithfulness, devotion, and kindness. And in our limited English language, all of those words put together do not fully grasp the full meaning of what the Lord is telling us through this simple word of mercy. Now why do I think that's significant? It's because I believe that it reminds us that God is bigger than our vocabulary. You know, right when you think you can define who the Lord is, the Scripture reminds us He's bigger than your greatest understanding. But there are three basic meanings to this word that I want you to come away with tonight that translate into every context that this word is used. And it's this. Strength steadfast love when david is saying surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life he is saying strength steadfast 
Love is what will follow me in every season of this life until I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a robust love that never fades and never falters. It is a love that is complete and reliable and confident. It is a loving kindness that is rooted in covenant with God. And that is the only way to know it. Is to be in covenant with the only one who can give it. Man cannot manufacture it or duplicate it. It is only found in God. And this is where David gained the confidence that permeates verse 6. It's why he can say that he knows that the goodness and mercy of God will follow him. It's because he's in covenant with God. And that when we enter into covenant with God, The Lord's response is a solemn oath that is complete and eternal for those who make the Lord their shepherd. So how do we gain that same confidence that David had? How do we come to know the Lord in the same way that David did? The answer is simple. We enter into and maintain covenant with Him. And we do that by recognizing that Jesus has made us a new covenant people. See, the Lord had a clear covenant with David, but He now has a new covenant with all who put their faith in Him because of the cross. Hebrews 8.6 says, But now He has obtained a more excellent ministry, Inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. There is no relationship with God outside of Jesus. Because of that, as we pray for revival, we need to pray for encounter with Jesus. We want our countrymen and our loved ones to know Christ as Savior. Because outside of Him, there is no relationship. And when we do that, the Scriptures are clear that we experience the benefit of obedience and relationship. Ephesians chapter 2 sums it up this way. When we have relationship with Christ, we enter into covenant with Him, we can be confident in these facts. We have access to the Father. We are no longer aliens and strangers, but fellow citizens with saints and are a part of the household of God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But when the opposite is true, the result is catastrophic. Living for something else means this. It means death. 
Hebrews chapter 2 is clear. It means death in our trespasses and no hope in this life. And David reminds us at the end of Psalm 23 that it doesn't have to be that way. That we can know the Lord as our own and have a confidence in Him that extends not only in this life, but in the life to come. And he says, my friends, goodness and mercy can follow you. And you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And on this side of the cross, we can say clearly, it's because of what Jesus has done. So as we contemplate these truths, I want you to take a moment to think about where this applies to you. Is today a day to affirm a covenant commitment to the Lord? To say, Lord, I make it my aim and my steadfast goal to walk with you and to follow you? Or is today a day to change course? Why don't you stand with me as we think about that for a moment? Is this a day to affirm commitment and to stand up and to step out in faith? Or is it a day to change course? And to say, Lord, I'm going to allow you to correct the direction that my life is going. So let's just take a moment to humble ourselves before the Lord and in prayer, ask the Lord to show you the place where your life is at. If tonight is the kind of night where you are affirming relationship with the Lord, just declare before Him that you are His.
just make clear your desire to follow Him and to be available for every assignment and every purpose that He might have for your life. Just surrender to those things again tonight. thank Him for the confidence and the assurance that He has given you. But if you're here tonight and you say, my life needs to go in a little different direction, I encourage you just to make a confession of faith in Christ. And to declare before Him that you want to follow His path and not your own. Invite Him to direct your every step. And to begin to move you tonight in His direction. Yield to Him. Place your life in His hand. And just declare that you will follow Him wherever He leads you. Lord, I thank You that You are a good shepherd. prayer of each of us tonight is this. Lord, lead us. Lead us into the green pastures and beside the still waters. Lead us through the valley to a new place of provision in you. Help us to embrace your invitation, Lord God, for our lives. May we have a confidence that's rooted in your goodness and mercy. And may our hope not just be rooted in the moment, Lord, but may there be a future hope that we are reminded of regularly. that there is an eternity with You that is coming for all who have faith in You. May we have a clear vision of that. And a growing expectation, Lord, of Your return. Lord, we invite your work. We pray that this weekend and throughout all of next week, Lord, may it grow and continue and multiply. And I pray that as we leave here tonight, Lord, may you watch over us and keep us. May your grace, Lord God, be upon us. And may you bring us back again safely very soon. 
And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, it's been good to be with you tonight. Thank you for being back. We'll look forward to seeing you again in another service very soon. You go in the grace and the peace of our Lord. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.